Welcome to Beating Cancer Daily. Beating stage four cancer for 30 years still takes my breath away every time I say it. I'm Saren, founder of the Comedy Cures Foundation, and I hope you'll join me for just a few minutes daily for the next 365 days so we may laugh, learn, maybe cry a little as we live our best days beating cancer daily together. I love having someone to talk to from the comedy world who gets both sides of my journey. They get the cancer side and they get the comedy side. So I bet you know who today's guest is. It is, drumroll, Missy Hall. She is back. I love our series. It's like a mini series within the overall Beating Cancer Daily 365-day commitment. And Missy comes back. If you haven't heard all of our episodes, you have to go back because we take Missy from her diagnosis, her treatment through survivorship, and we get to talk also about being a comedian and using your comic perspective while you're going through cancer treatment and survivorship. So Missy, welcome. It's so great to be back with you. Thank you for having me back. Always, always. And when Missy and I logged in, I actually showed her my very fancy, very oversized eyelashes because I just wanted someone to see them that knew me before I took them off. No, and they're so beautiful. And I have eyelash envy. It's like the Tweety Bird. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I I had my makeup done at at Mac. And they only have oversized, like glam eyelashes, which isn't my go-to, right? And so it was a big debate whether or not I should get these oversized glamorous eyelashes. So finally... We decided I should, but we were going to take them off if I looked ridiculous. But I have to tell you, I remember not having one single eyelash. Like I had so much cancer as a stage four cancer patient that I, 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 sorry, I had so much chemo and cancer as a stage four (laughs) cancer patient that I had no eyelashes, not even a one. No, actually two hung on. It was very awkward for a very long time. I actually thought about plucking them, which is painful because I just had one on the top and one on the bottom on one eye. And then I had no other eyelashes. So I don't know if anyone listening is in that phase of the eyelash fallout or not having them. But to actually have like super glamorous eyelashes put on you by a professional makeup artist when you haven't had an eyelash is like a kind of a surreal experience. So they do grow back. Like I'm just, if you're in that phase where you don't have any eyelashes, they do grow back. So just know that. But it was fun to glam out for a night. I was going to, and I bet having someone else do it when there's nothing that makes you feel more fancy than sitting in a chair and having your face be someone else's responsibility. Yeah. And they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? They're like, okay, 
They have, and for some reason, their brushes just feel softer. I, when they do my lips, it feels like real lips instead of me drawing a face on my face. It's just, it's a special treat. I agree. And I really like now that they sanitize all the stuff in the old days. I don't know how we all didn't just die of (laughs) testing the same lipstick across America. (laughs) But even the brushes have 15 people's like oil on them. Uh, uh, They they never used to be hygienic, right? Yeah. That's That's how OG I am. I was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're like i'm so old <laughs> i've had used makeup brushes on my face and nobody else will even know what you're talking about they're old ladies right and you're like yeah yeah so um, yeah no it was really special and they do just a beautiful job just picking the people and then honoring the people and i got to take home swag that never gets old for me i never don't take home the goodie bag because we'll give it away at Comedy Cures events at the charity that I run. I'll get the swag and then I'm like, oh, can I give this swag away to patients? And then I re-gift our swag. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting. I, excuse me. I did not buy this for you. I'm re-gifting you this and it's perfect. A lot of people just donate to Comedy Cures stuff, right? Yeah. And then I get okay. to put them in goodie bags and I get yeah. to give them out as presents to to our patients and caregivers. But don't underestimate a good re-gift from a great swag bag Ooh. that I, I know, I know. Yes. I mean, that, that's amazing because an event like that, their swag bags, it's not like a handful of hard candies. Like it's nice stuff. Yeah, we it's got nice. we got good swag. We got good swag. I mean, they're good amazing. sponsors and and it was just really fun. So I think it is a marking of time, right? In 2006, my daughter was 13. She was 13 when I got the award and now she's 30. And she came with me to that award. And this time she couldn't come because she's a TV writer, producer in LA. So she couldn't be there. But just to think that marking of time, right? That was pretty amazing. It's what, 17 years? 17 years. And that just means that I'm still living past my life expectancy with cancer because they gave me less than five years in back in the early 2000s, 1999, I was finally diagnosed. But then soon after I got the stage four news and the prognosis was so bad. So to be at an event 17 years after the last one, but all those years, 30 years after I was misdiagnosed and 20 plus years since I was diagnosed, 24 And then all that time since they told me to get my affairs in order, it's just a marking of time. That's why I go. I just feel like I feel my survival. I feel my life when I do those kinds of things. Survival, your life and your eyelashes. Like, it's you know, any excuse to have someone put makeup on and eyelashes. But I'm just saying that because 
we do have survivors. You're one of them. And we have people going through treatment. And I think it's really important to mark time. I did a whole episode on it, setting your milestones. But I just think it's important to really appreciate those moments. I just did that here in February when I got my diagnosis. I didn't know what the rest of the year was going to look like. And we had just taken down Christmas trees and decorations in the house. And when I got the diagnosis, I remember I was crying and I almost put them back up because I wanted the pretty lights. I wanted the pretty lights. And oh, it's going to make me weepy. This year, I throughout the year, until I got the good news, now that I'm in survivorship, my milestone was going to be bringing my trees back out because I didn't know. I didn't know where I would be, what would be happening, what I would be feeling like. And typically I wait until well after Thanksgiving, but just yesterday I was like, oh, I feel good. I'm, I'm bringing the trees up. I'm bringing them up. And there's, I'm watching cause we're doing this on video and Missy's tree is so beautiful. It's like creating this glow halo around her. And so I actually said before we started recording, can I just snap a picture of us? I want to capture this moment. And in all disclosure, I had a pajama top on. I was recording in my pajama top and it's like pajama top and fancy eyelashes. <laughs> we should have taken a picture of that, to be honest. Exactly. <laughs> and Ed, it's 4.30 in the afternoon, mind you, on a Sunday. And uh, <laughs> so I am really bearing all here. And I was like, oh, Missy, let me go put on a sweater so that I could take this picture just for us to have as a souvenir because you look so beautiful with the glow of the tree and the tree is spectacular. So it's so interesting that before we even really talked about that milestone, that I picked up on how special that tree was behind you. Yes, because it absolutely is my first milestone. This was it. And so as soon as you mentioned marking time, my head exploded inside. I'm like, that's literally what's happening right behind me. This was you my- really did get weepy. Your eyes yeah. just welled up. I, yeah. I just want them to know when Missy says it's making her emotional, she is completely emotional. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am finding that I get leaky eyes a lot when, when speaking of these things, because as anyone going through this or loving someone that's going through this, little things feel so much bigger now. So when you think about the time when you were really down and then think about something happy, like you can't help, but just get all teary and mushy. But what's interesting is that we use that in comedy. We use that contradiction, that comparison, that disconnect is actually very funny. It is. It is very funny because, I mean, think about movie scenes that you've seen with 
somebody crying walking down a street and then a bird poops on their head and it's funny right it's funny because you see somebody completely miserable and then more misery happens or they're like oh i found a cookie i'm better now whatever there's always a little something that can be thrown into that to release the tension and make it a laughable moment it's so true and i think that's been at least my superpower, and I know it's been your superpower in going through this. I actually heard a speaker on Friday night that I'm going to invite on to the podcast. And I'm going to talk to her more about this at length, but I feel like I can't even hold it in one moment. And I have to tell you, her name was Shira. I don't even know her last name because I just heard her speak. And then I was so excited. I ran up to her and said, please send me your contact information. I want to interview you for the podcast. Uh, She has a history in her family with cancer. So I just really resonated with her. But basically what she said was that this is going to be a funny story that you tell in the future. So instead of waiting for it to become a funny story, think about it as this is happening and think about how funny it could be and then have that be your narrative now. Don't wait for time to pass. And that's the famous quote by Carol Burnett, which comedy is tragedy plus time. And I've said it before on this podcast when we're talking about tumor humor, but really the way she said it, it made so much sense to me and we teach it. But I love this idea that when something starts to stress you out or you just feel like the world is against you, if you can just take that moment and think forward, what's going to be funny about this in the future, then make that the present now. Oh my gosh, I almost jumped out of my seat and hugged this complete stranger when she put it in those very simple terms. I absolutely love using that perspective. And I know we've talked about it before, but one of my favorite things in overwhelming situations is to look at the absurdity of what's happening and find a place to giggle in it. Because sometimes you don't want to put off the funny right? Sometimes it's not a situation that you have time for it to be funny later. And I was, I, (laughs) I was in therapy for my lymphedema last week and she was doing some massage and moving my arm. And she says, does it hurt to turn your head? And it really did the position that we were in, but Sarah, and then there was a screw on the floor. And I was like, is that screw what's holding this bed together? (laughs) 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 Having this serious moment about my pain. And I'm like, is that screw supposed to be holding this bed together? Or did that just fall out of me? Like, where did that come from? I feel like we should address this. And then I could just laugh right through the physical pain. And she was laughing when it just, it made it. It made it a fun session to remember versus thinking about how uncomfortable I was. As for the people who might not know what lymphedema is, can you describe it? 
Sure. The cancer was removed from my left breast and there was some lymph node dissection. So after that and lots of radiation, what can happen is with the damage to the cells that are left behind can cause blockages so that the lymph can't drain properly from the breast tissue and from under the armpit and things. And then tissues adhere to themselves. I've got two situations. So the lymphedema is lymph fluid that builds up in the breast and down the arm. And then I also have what they call cording, which is also a direct result of radiation. These conditions are treatable with physical therapy and they are not inherently dangerous, but they're very, very painful. And and they're disheartening if you've just come through cancer treatment and you were feeling good for a minute and now you can't pull your own pants on. It, it feels like a bigger thing physically than even maybe what you felt before treatment. So they Did they do- give you a cuff? Did you get a cuff? I don't need a cuff because what's what I found or out sleeve. I'm not sure whether they yes, call it a sleeve. I've or seen a cuff. the sleeves, and apparently I don't need that. They have ordered a special bra that would should be here any time now, and I have a special insert that I have to put in my bras on the left side. What the pain in my arm is from is cording, not the lymph fluid. So apparently. Um, when they measure, they'll, if you're going through this listener, they'll measure your arm and things of that. And I don't have the fluid buildup in my arm. That's in my breast. I have cording and a tiny bit of swelling. So they are working with massage and exercise. Apparently, a lot of the pain is coming from my shoulder and radiating down. So there's just a few things going on in there. Not dangerous, just very painful. Are you on lifting restriction? Yes, Yes, I am. I'm on lifting restriction, which (laughs) I had thought I could exercise my way through this. So apparently that was not a good choice. So yes, I am on lifting restriction and motion restriction. And in my job as a comic, I drive a lot. So I have exercises they want me to do while I'm driving and things, but yes. I only had it temporarily. I didn't get it full blown. And I think I mentioned before, they actually taped my arm to my body so that I could not move my arm because they wanted the lymph fluid not to keep collecting under my arm because I was so active right after surgery that I was making way more lymph fluid than I needed to. And there was nowhere for it to go because they'd taken out over 30, I think 33 or 36 lymph nodes. And so I had three levels missing from my neck down to my middle waist. And so the body was like, what do we do with this? It was like, we're just going to collect it in your armpit. And (laughs) I was like, that's not a good idea. So I had to keep (laughs) going in every day and having it drained with this massive needle to have this lymph fluid drained out from under my arm. And eventually my body figured out how to process it, but they had to just kind of paralyze my side so -hmm. that my body could figure out how to heal. So I don't have it now, but I did get a taste of how unbelievably painful it could be. It's 
very, very painful. And I had noticed it because I had been feeling fine. And then suddenly my breast started hurting when we would drive. I could feel a bump. And then if one of the dogs would brush against me, I could feel pain. And then, then it felt like it had a fever. And then, and then suddenly I couldn't move my arm. And I, my surgeon sent me to the, the OT clinic at the cancer center right That's away. That's a really good point. So if anybody is listening to this and they're in recovery and you are having this unexplained pain, please go check it out because the longer it goes on, why should you be in pain? It's just demoralizing. It just erodes at your mental state. It also really can cause immune issues because if you're in pain, your body is trying to fix the pain and not keeping your immune system in check. So please go get it checked out. It really, there are solutions that can happen if you are experiencing lymphedema. Yes. And the physical therapist, or the, I'm sorry, the occupational therapist that was treating me even mentioned as common as this is, she will never know the real numbers because there are a lot of people that just assume it's something that they have to deal with. And she's like, no, physical therapy isn't comfortable, but this isn't going to, it doesn't resolve on its own. You have to have intervention. It's not medication. It is actual manipulation of the fluid and the tissues. And then I've graduated. I have three exercises that I get to do. (laughs) And it broke my heart when she mentions that people don't go to anyone because they just assume that it's just part of it. I hope that this episode really helps people feel comfortable to go get it checked out. I really do. Now, it's interesting because you have to hold a microphone. Is it the hand that you hold the microphone with? Are you adjusting to that? One of the things that's been hard is that I, again, until this whole episode in life with cancer, I hold the microphone with my right hand and apparently gesticulate constantly with my left hand, which I did not realize how physical I am on stage. You didn't. I said it the first minute I introduced you on the podcast (laughs) episode one. Yep. You don't see yourself for what you are until it's compromised. And there are some jokes. I'm going to do it with my my arm that doesn't hurt now where I'll have my arm up above my head and I'm moving around. And that has been with the left arm. So I'm trying to switch around without messing up any cadence or things. But I am I am incredibly sore after performing, more so now than I was right after surgery. That's so interesting because as a physical comic, now we're seeing in survivorship something that you have to adjust. And we've all been there where we could do certain exercises and then we come out of surgery and we're unlimited. I mean, you mentioned it about driving. Yes, I just remember them saying, no, you can't drive for this many weeks after my breast surgeries and me just being like, in what planet is that reality? Because I am a single mom and not only do I work, but I have to get my kid to school, to Girl Scouts, to doctor's appointments. I mean, family things like in what world am I not driving for weeks? 
Oh, exactly. That's like when you take your dog to the vet for a procedure and they put the cone around his hand. Don't let him jump or run. You're like, okay, yeah, that's going to work. Yeah. I <laughs> like These are not words that real people can use. You know? Yeah. I was surprised. And when I had told the therapist working on me, the hours that I had driven, she's like, can you have your husband drive? I was like, well, he doesn't come to work with me. Like he's, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna have him stop his work and what he's doing. Like I need you to drive me for two hours there and then two hours home, just because my arm hurts. Like it's not reality. It's not going to happen. Have you ever seen the knob? Do you know that they have a steering knob? You might want to get it while you're recovering because it allows you to drive with one hand. Okay. It's okay. an adaptation because there are people who have lost a limb, you know, sure. military people are born without a limb. And so there is an adaptation if anyone needs this, that you can attach to your steering wheel. You don't have to keep your arms at the nine o'clock and three o'clock position. You can have the knob down at the six o'clock position. Okay. Then you could put a pillow on your lap for your elbow. And then you don't have to have the weight of holding, but that would be your good arm. Exactly. And that's my good. And I've, it's almost, I think the sitting that is the hardest part, the stillness. I'm not sure I do have, and this is something else that I would love to recommend for people. A friend of mine had sent me a little goodie box that had a special pillow in it. It's shaped picture almost like the shape of a peanut, a little bit narrow in the middle, and you place it under your seatbelt and you still have the safety of the seatbelt, but it keeps your seatbelt from rubbing up against your breast. And it's been so much more comfortable. That is amazing. I did not know that that was in existence. And oh my goodness. that would be unbelievable to get. It's amazing. Wow. Yes, it is amazing. It's funny when you were talking about swag boxes and sending things, one of the, some of my most joyful moments have been from presents that people have sent me during this. And that was a present that I got in a box that had been designed by women who had been through breast cancer. So there was like some specialty, but this pillow I'll send you later on, I'll send you a picture of it. So you have a frame of reference. So for it. cool. It's so cool. I just want to go back to the comparison for a little bit because I was thinking about just the absurdity of my overly large eyelashes right now. <laughs> <laughs> and just thinking about comedically, because we are audio driven on this podcast, if you had to describe them and again, there's so much comedy in exaggeration. We've talked about that before, but in comparison, if we were going to riff about yeah. these ridiculous eyelashes, I've how, got. <laughs> do, you, do you have it? Have you I have it. it? Tell me. You look like Jessica Rabbit's <laughs> less well endowed sister. <laughs> 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 Jessica Rabbit being a reference to Bugs Bunny's hot rabbit girlfriend, right? 
But yes, 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 yes. And she has red hair and she had big eyelashes. She had gigantic chest and really tight red dress. If you could see Saren right now, as opposed to Jessica Rabbit, there are the similarities. There's the red hair and the eyelashes. But <laughs> Jessica Rabbit is usually wearing like a red slinky cocktail dress. <laughs> and Saren's boobs are a popping. Her boobs are popping. Saren's have popped. Like they, <laughs> she's in a very baggy, adorable <laughs> red sweatshirt. <laughs> Missy, I never had big boobs before <laughs> they took 25% of one and 50% of the other. So they weren't big to begin with. Yeah. So they were never a poppin'. Yeah. They were perky, but never a poppin'. When you picture, if you could have Jessica Rabbit and her kid sister, hair, same, eyelashes, but definitely not Jessica Rabbit anywhere else. So there's yeah. that one. But that's funny that the thought of eyelashes are bigger than the boobs. Yeah, that's just a funny visual, and that's a funny comparison. Also, it is. <laughs> you could even talk about putting some on your boobs. Yeah, <laughs> it's like little fluffy eyelashes. I've actually seen that before. I've seen an what? apron where where the boobs are. They had them be eyes, and then they had three dimensional eyelashes okay. where the boobs would be. That was actually a really cute apron. That I was going to say. That sounds adorable. Yeah, it was really cute, especially for someone that's had breast surgery or mastectomy. I I just had lumpectomies and excisional biopsy. Just, can you imagine saying that? I just had that. No, I had three surgeries, as I said. But no, I mean, just thinking, I was trying to think of how else I would describe. And because I think there's a comedy routine in fake eyelashes. I think especially if you've had no eyelashes, I think I could make that funny. Oh, you absolutely could. Because think about, first of all, what would happen if you had a power surge while wearing the eyelashes? And if you got sweaty and one of them like dislodged from your eye and stuck to your cheek while you were speaking. No, funnier is if it just slid down my face and became like a mustache. mustache. Yeah, that's so funny. But do you, I just want to say to the audience, do you see how like comics just play around with visual images, with contradictions, with comparisons? Like we didn't plan to talk about that in any way. And it's just, it struck me as funny. I I do do some self-deprecating humor. I don't do it. I don't insult other people, but I'm ha- I'm fair target. I have no problem being fair target in my own humor. I feel the same way ab- about myself. And and even with riffing with another comic, you would never pick points that are something you think they might truly be upset about. You know what I mean? Like just would never, ever do that. Even when you're coaching someone else on some on some ways to make fun of themselves. Unless the writer's table has said it's fair game and we are very blue and yes. we're we're attack comics like there. There are comics who really cringe humor. Yes, that's this kind of humor that Missy and I do not do. And if you've ever been at a writer's table or went gone out to dinner 
with a bunch of comics. And if it's cringe humor, it's brutal. Nothing it is. is sacred, but not the way Missy and I do it. No, no that's a bit on con- on shows where people were roasting and it just... And just really going for the jugular. That's not my style. It's definitely not your style. But in situations like this, if you can, both of us, if we can find a way to make fun of ourselves, because there's nobody listening to humor that doesn't also have something self-deprecating about that they would bring up about themselves, right? We all have that. And it's different from low self-esteem. Right. Like we're not, we're not making fun of ourselves to the point where we don't have self-esteem. It actually takes self-esteem to be self-deprecating and not plummet into depression or into low self-esteem. It's really interesting, actually. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you say that because you're absolutely right. The amount of things that I'll personally make fun of myself for These are not things that keep me awake in despair. These are things I genuinely find funny that I either wish were different, but I'm perfectly fine that they're what they are. Give me Um, an example. I will often make fun of my hair looking like a nest that's been built by unhealthy birds. I will make fun of... My tummy is getting bigger as I get older and all all growing up, like any other woman, I've always had doubts about my body, but I don't mind making a little bit of fun of it because as I get older, it still feels like a surprise, right? And so I like to make fun of the surprise of, wow, in pictures of me at 25, I thought I was fat. And now I look at pictures of me and my tummy's on my lap a little bit. So I wasted all my skinny years thinking I was fat. Um, (laughs) You know, Jackie Bryan is our functional medicine expert, RN certified health coach, whole health educator. She's just really decorated and just has so much wisdom. She does a series of episodes just like Missy within the overall Beating Cancer Daily podcast. And this belly fat that happens in middle age, we actually tackle that on several episodes. And it's amazing how this gets triggered at a certain era of our our lives. And she really talks about how sleep and regular bedtimes and not night eating can really help with that body fat, of course, exercising. But I didn't realize like how important sleep was in managing that part of the body. And the irony is, is I am now on a medication that keeps me from sleeping. The anestrozole, which is the estrogen blocker that I'll be on for years and years, is keeping me awake. And of course, the new change in how estrogen is functioning or not functioning and all of that. I am, I def, my, my body composition feels different. But it's hilarious now because I'm thinking of myself laying there trying to fall asleep and talking to my stomach. I'm like, okay, you sleep. 
you sleep <laughs> so you can metabolize. My mind's going to go. But it's it is very important and i'm sure that i can and can work on those things but that's so fascinating it's a brilliant episode we just aired it and jackie calls it sleep hygiene and i think that's such a great way to phrase it and so we really go through how to get better quality sleep more sleep and I have admitted many times on this podcast that I don't need very much sleep and I'm trying to become a student of sleep masters like Jackie, like the sleep clinic that I went to, to try to see if I could get better sleep habits. I just don't need a lot of sleep. So I just was like, okay, I feel great after two hours. So let me just get going. But it does it does do things like not give your brain the opportunity to clean itself. It does add to the body fat or can. And she does say in that episode that you don't want a ring of body fat around your organs because it makes them less effective. So it's really important to develop good habits to keep that part of your body not overweight. And it doesn't mean that you have to starve yourself or over-exercise. It just means that you should have that as one of your goals and focus and try to keep reducing the amount of that belly ring. And, and I think it's really important. I just didn't know all this until I had the episode with her. Yes, I am definitely going to go back and listen to that one. And the I have heard over and over again about fat around the organs and not contributing to other health problems. It's not just a cosmetic thing. And I also have heard, and when you think about it, when you're sleeping, that's when our brain and cells regenerate. Our bodies have to do it. And it is absolutely something to work on. And I love the things that we can work on that are in our control. Like it's not something that's a hundred thousand dollars. It's no, why don't you try doing this? But from a comic perspective, it's also wonderful to be like, okay, they say this will be better if I sleep, but then they give me medicine that makes it so that I can't sleep. I mean, just those kinds of things, the frustration of the thing that's right within your reach, but really completely out of reach. And I think that can be funny. I think that can be really funny. I know you're going to figure that out and work it into a bit because er there are so many people that have sleep issues. So even if we're on medications that cause yeah. sleep disruption. So even if someone in your audience isn't a cancer patient or survivor, they can identify with that. I love talking to you, Missy, because what happens is we like, poke the bear on some topics like eyelashes, like not sleeping, like lymphedema. And I know that both your daughter and your husband have really botched the name and confuse oh. it with other, <laughs> with other health problems, which oh my I laugh every time someone tells me they have lymphedema in my head. I hear you say <laughs> emphysema, like <laughs> emphysema, lymphoma. <laughs> there are people in our circle that think I am far more ill than I really am. 
I I get that. But it's such a pleasure because when I'm just going about my day, I'll hear something and then I'll think back to something we just started looking at comedically. And then I'll get another piece to that puzzle and another piece to that puzzle. And I just want to thank you for helping us all really think about the funny, right? How we can find the funny, not only in our lives, but in a cancer diagnosis or treatment or survivorship. So thank you for coming on to Beating Cancer Daily. I can't wait to talk to you again, find out how you're doing. The audience just loves that you check in and you share your real life journey with us. The response to Jeremy's episode where we talked about you becoming your husband's caregiver in that health crisis, people went crazy about that because they were like, oh my gosh, first of all, is he okay? And second of all, the fact that you were able to really capture the caregiver journey right after you going through all this cancer treatment, like so many people identified with everything that you were going through and really sent their well wishes to your husband. That is such a blessing. And thank you so very much. And he is doing really well. And we were able to have a follow-up appointment with him last week and they are not recommending surgery at this time, which is just wonderful. And so now we're entering this phase of life where he's going to be more careful about what he eats, which is wonderful because I've been in that phase since my diagnosis and yeah, he's doing really well. So thank you for the well wishes and the kind thoughts. It's amazing. Thank you. Well, I love you and I will see you soon. I love you right back. You know it. (laughs) (laughs) Have a blessed day and I'll see you guys tomorrow. If you loved today's episode, then tell the world. Why? Because Beating Cancer Daily and our membership circle are both a listener and donor-supported experience. So the more people you tell and the more people that join us, the more robust and interesting programs our nonprofit, the Comedy Cures Foundation, can bring to you throughout the year. I really want you to go to ComedyCures.org. And of course, I always want you to make a donation. It's tax deductible to the extent allowed by law. But what's super exciting is not only can you laugh and explore the comedy there, you can look at our membership levels and find the one that's great for you. And if you're feeling a little bit generous, gift one to a chemo brother or sister or to a caregiver that you just want to help them improve the quality of their day. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Guess what time it is? It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Beating Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.